I thank you so much for your word. I do thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, that as we come aside today, that you would speak to us very clearly. In particular, Father, I pray that today you would fine-tune our sense of discernment so that we can discern whether what someone is saying is, is good and faithful to your word or perhaps isn't, and that we can see the reasons why. And so I, I pray, Lord, you'd use today to fine-tune our discernment so that we might live faithfully before you. Uh, we love you, and we praise you, and we honor you, and we pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Starting with uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, second part. Uh, Peter here is talking about false prophets and false teachers. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, these false prophets and teachers, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved." For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What tr the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to wallow in the mire. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I have a question for you to reflect on. Who are some of the most miserable people in the world? Who are some of the most miserable people in the world? Uh, I'll tell you the answer to that if I remember toward the end. So that's, uh, that's, that's kind of your question. But there, there is a phenomenon going on today that that really, I think, is very, very dangerous. Uh, and it is something that I take extreme exception to uh, as I've encountered it. And unfortunately, with YouTube, this phenomenon has proliferated uh, in the last 10 years or so. Uh, and I really, really think that it is probably an abomination before the Lord. I think it is something that the Lord hates, actually. Uh, and I base that on 
the psalm where it says, you know, uh, the proverb rather, which says, you know, six things the Lord uh, hates, seven he despises, and one of those is the one who sows discord among brothers. Uh, and this phenomena is what I call self-appointed heresy hunters. There are people at work in the world today, and you can find them all over YouTube, that consider it their sacred duty to go and find every false teacher or everyone they would label a false teacher, everyone they would label a false prophet, everyone that they would label themselves in grievous error, and go and do whatever it takes and use whatever tactic that they want to try to expose this person as false. Uh, sometimes disrupting worship services, uh, sometimes going on to the campuses of some of these churches, trying to infiltrate the church service, to sow discord amongst the members regarding, uh, regarding their leader. And I have seen this, and I have seen many Christians trapped by this because they all use circular reasoning, and they all use some very, very underhanded and dishonest tactics when it comes to doing their research. Uh, one of the clues, for example, that you can see is that if you have somebody uh, and they're quoting from somebody and the quote is like one sentence and it has an ellipsis in the middle of the sentence and it says, you know, pages 154 to 157, what they have done is they've taken the first half of one sentence on page 154 and melded it with the second half of another sentence on page 157 to make it say what they want it to say. And sometimes they take the things in completely out of context. I remember a number of years ago um, it's, uh, hearing somebody criticize one of the, one of the uh, faith teachers that are there, and I won't mention the person's name, uh, but they were criticizing the person because they said, well, they were making Jesus to be too human. They were denying God, Jesus' divinity in favor of his humanity. And indeed, the quote that they gave, I mean, really, really sounded bad. But then uh, if you go to the research and you actually listen to what the person said, yes, they, they said something like this, uh, yeah, this is why Jesus was a human being, and they emphasize that. And then they go on to say, but also Jesus was God. So they weren't saying what they said. Now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because there really are false teachers and false prophets at work in the body of Christ around the world. But it's not our job to be the heresy hunter that uses whatever tactics that we think are appropriate to expose the person and pull them down. The scripture is very clear that God is more than capable of dealing with these people. It is not our job to do it. it is it's God's job because to their master, that is Jesus Christ, they will stand or they will fall. But at the same time, it is essential for us to be on our guard for false prophets and false teachers and make sure, if you're a leader in any capacity, that those under your leadership do not fall victim to these false prophets and false teachers. If you are a church leader, uh, you make sure that your church doesn't fall victim to that. If you're somebody in a church, you can pray for your church that your church doesn't fall victim to that because we have to be on the alert because these self-appointed heresy hunters are doing tremendous damage to the body of Christ, but at the same time, these false prophets and false teachers are doing tremendous harm to the body of Christ. And that's exactly what Peter prophesied would happen.
Sometimes people say to me, you know, say, when you, you see all the bad things that are happening, doesn't this mean that the Bible's not true? And I say, no. The fact that there's false prophets and false teachers doesn't disprove the Bible. The fact that there are false prophets and false teachers actually proves the Bible because it's what the Bible said would happen. So how do we recognize these false prophets and false teachers? Last week we saw that greed and sensuality were two of the big identifiers, and in this passage, Peter gives us a whole boatload of other identifiers that I'm actually going to go through very, very quickly. But, uh, but you can follow along in the text uh, and uh, uh, note for yourself different things. First of all, he says that these false teachers and false prophets, if you will, they blaspheme demonic principalities and powers. In other words, these are people who are trying to take on the big demons and Satan and, and things like that without a clear mandate from the Lord to do so. The idea of blaspheme is to slander. And, and if you're attacking, for example, if you're attacking the spirit of mammon, which is very, very prevalent, it is a demonic principality that has a lot of influence in London. It's a spirit that controls our attitudes toward wealth and greed and things like that. But I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had somebody come into London and say, God's called me here to pull down the principality of mammon. And the thing is, you can't pull down mammon until the hearts of people are changed. As long as the hearts of people are caught up in greed, they will always empower the demonic principality and power of mammon to influence other people. What we can do under the leading of the Holy Spirit is to bind it so that people can have a respite from the greed that churns up in their spirits so that hopefully they will repent and turn away from the greed and come out from under the influence of that spirit. You know, those kinds of things can happen, but many of these false teachers, all they do is just they blaspheme demonic principalities and powers. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in a conference where we've danced on the head of Satan. You know, because the text says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The problem is that in all those times of doing that, we've never seen any real change. And so that's one of the things. Now, this is not that they're engaged in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is there for us, and we have to engage in it. But that can be one of the indicators. Uh, another indicator, you can find this in verse 12, is that they are irrational instinctive and ignorant. In other words, they don't follow logic and reason. They just go with their gut all the time, and they don't study the word or study theology to really know what they're talking about. So they're rational, instinctive, and ignorant as opposed to considered, self-controlled, and informed. I can't tell you the number of times that I've, I've seen this kind of thing. Verse 13a says that oftentimes there, there are these needless casualties of war. In other words, what often happens, because they are not self-controlled, uh, considered, and informed, because they're just going willy-nilly to try to address any kind of demon that they, they want to, that many times you know, people, they end up dead, they end up uh, in really bad situations that can happen. Uh, number four... Uh, 13b, they are self-indulgent publicly while giving free reign to their pleasing illusions and desires amongst Christians. 
So you can often tell a false teacher or a false prophet for how they seem to indulge themselves. How much are they talking about themselves when they're in public? How much are they talking about their needs or their ministry or their house or their property or, or their blessings as opposed to the kingdom of God? That's an indicator that they are being self-indulgent and they can come up with all kinds of pleasing sounding illusions, you know, like God told me this or God told me that. But when you really look at it more deeply, you say, really, is, is that the Lord? Is this really coming from the Lord? I remember a number of years ago hearing about uh, a leader, and I don't know who the leader was, so I can't really refer to him. It's a story a friend told me. And this guy was in a flying economy class, because, and his back was hurting. And uh, it came, and the guy was driving a Jag, you know, because he had back problems. And uh, the friend was telling me the story about he was flying economy class, his back was hurting, and the Lord spoke to him, apparently. And I can't judge whether or not it was the Lord. Uh, but the Lord spoke to him and said, don't you have enough faith to fly business class? Now that, that sounds, you know, and so from that day he said, I'm going to fly business class, I'm going to get a bigger car. My question was, don't you have enough faith to be healed? Which is better for the body of Christ? The testimony of healing or the testimony of, well, I don't have enough faith for my back to be healed, so I have to take more money to fly in a way that most people can't fly. And we don't ask these kinds of questions, and they're not asking themselves those kinds of questions. Uh, on verse 14, you have often, you see adultery coming up in these ministries, uh, unceasing sin, they're just different sin problems that come up one after another. Uh, they tend to appeal, again, verse 14, to those who are unsteady in mind, will, or emotion. Uh, you know, they're not really grounded in their soul, so they're, they're stirring up their emotions, they're, they're, they're getting them to, to buy into what they want so that they'll actually send them money or whatever. Uh, number eight, uh, they often forsake the right way and go astray, and you can begin to see that in their ministries. Many of these people start out in a good place, but then they continue to go more and more astray. Many of us know about Jim Jones and the massacre in Guyana back in the 1970s. What most people don't know is that Jim Jones actually started out as an evangelical preacher. And he went astray and led others astray and uh, committed that terrible atrocity. The ninth thing, uh, they follow the way of Balaam. Now, what is the way of Balaam? Basically, Balaam sold his gift for financial gain. That's what Balaam was doing. He was saying, I will prophesy for whoever gives me money. Uh, and many times you can see that many false teachers and false prophets are using their gifts in order to gain money for themselves. And the key is, where's the money going? You know, there's nothing wrong with raising funds to support your ministry. But there's questions that come if you're raising funds to support your lavish lifestyle. And again, these things, they're not absolute indicators, but these are questions that we need to ask and start to look. Uh, verse 17, these people often have no substance and no real revelation. That's what it means. They're like uh, mists 
You know, there's, it sounds good, it looks good, you see something, but actually when you really ex- inspect it, there's no real substance to what they're saying, there's no real revelation. How many times have I seen people who say, you know, I've got this word from the Lord and it gets national attention, it doesn't come to pass, and yet a year later the same person is doing the same words from the Lord. And there comes a point in time where you have to start asking, okay, is there really something to this or are they tickling ears that want to hear certain things? Uh, These people, verse 18, are boasting and arrogant. They boast and they're arrogant all the time. Uh, They will appeal to and entice people by sensual passions of the flesh. And again, this is not sexuality. This is enticing people for things like comfort, what will make them feel good, what will make them feel happy, even though it may not be the thing that's from God. Now, there'll be some people say, well, Christians should never have to suffer. Well, that's not biblical. But if you're in the midst of suffering, you want to hear that message, and and you might send money to that message because you're hoping that you'll get out of your, your, your own suffering. But the scriptures say that we will suffer. And, verse 13, they're slaves of corruption, but they promise freedom. The problem is that they won't be free, and the people who follow them won't be free. And you can begin to see that. And so what Peter is doing in this whole passage, he's alerting us for indicators to keep an eye out for. Any one indicator by itself does not suggest a false prophet or a false teacher. Frankly, Everybody who is a prophet gets it wrong sometimes. Every teacher has error in their teaching, including, by the way, me. Problem is, I don't know what the error is in my teaching. I have to have God reveal it to me. But when he does, I try to change it. And that's the key thing. So there's no perfect prophet. There's no perfect teacher. There's no perfect pastor. We have to understand that. And as well, we have to understand that we're not the self-appointed heresy hunters. But we have to be on our guard because the most miserable people in the world, in my experience, are people who want to be Christians but are trying to live in the world. And that's what he says about these people. You know, they've said they want to follow Jesus. They are accursed children. Now, this means they're children. But what they've done is as a child, they've completely abandoned their father's way and embraced their own way. And ultimately, people who try to live that way, whether they are leaders or followers, will be the most miserable people on the planet. The only path to freedom, really, is a wholehearted devotion to Jesus as he is revealed in the Bible, following him and keeping our eyes fixed on him. Yes, there are false prophets and false teachers, but we don't have to worry about them. Jesus has this in control. But we do have to walk closely with Jesus and avoid them whenever we can. Father God, thank you so much that you have been so clear in your word about the kinds of indicators that there are for false prophets and teachers. Father, I... I, reiterate publicly the prayer I prayed privately many times that if you and your wisdom know that I would ever become a false prophet or a false teacher I pray that you would strike me dead 
because I never want to do that. I want to be faithful to you. I know I won't be perfect, but I want to be faithful to you. And I pray for every pastor and every church leader and every church represented here. And we ask for their faithfulness as well. And I pray for every person here that you would keep our eyes fixed on you, on your promises, on your truth, on Jesus. We love you and we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.